Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 2 Kings chapter 18 from the World English Bible. Now in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. He did that which was right in Yahweh's eyes, according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, because in those days the children of Israel burned incense to it, and he called it Nahushtan. He trusted in Yahweh, the God of Israel, so that after him was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among them that were before him. For he joined with Yahweh. He didn't depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which Yahweh commanded Moses. Yahweh was with him. Wherever he went, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and didn't serve him. He struck the Philistines to Gaza and its borders, from the tower of the watchmen to the fortified city. In the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. At the end of three years, they took it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, which was the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. The king of Assyria carried away Israel to Assyria and put them in Hala and on the harbor, the river of Gazan, and in the cities of the Medes, because they didn't obey Yahweh their God's voice, but transgressed his covenant, even all that Moses, the servant of Yahweh, commanded, and would not hear it or do it. Now in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria, to Lachish, saying, I have offended you. Return from me. That which you want put on me, I will bear. The king of Assyria appointed to Hezekiah, king of Judah, three hundred talents of silver and thirty talents of gold. Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in Yahweh's house and in the treasures of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of Yahweh's temple and from the pillars which Hezekiah king of Judah had overlaid, and gave it to the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabsaris and Rabshekah from Lachish to king Hezekiah with a great army to Jerusalem. They went up and came to Jerusalem. When they had come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is in the highway of the fuller's field. When they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, The great king, the king of Assyria, says, 
What confidence is this in which you trust? You say, but they are but vain words. There is counsel and strength for war. Now on whom do you trust that you have rebelled against me? Now behold, you trust in the staff of this bruised reed, even in Egypt. If a man leans on it, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all who trust on him. But if you tell me, we trust in Yahweh our God, isn't that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and to Jerusalem, You shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now, therefore, please give pledges to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you two thousand horses, if you are able on your part to set riders on them. How then can you turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Have I now come up without Yahweh against this place to destroy it? Yahweh said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shebna, and Joah said to Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it. Don't speak with us in the Jews' language, in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said to them, Has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words? Hasn't he sent me to the men who sit on the wall, to eat their own dung and to drink their own urine with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. The king says, Don't let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Don't let Hezekiah make you trust in Yahweh, saying, Yahweh will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Don't listen to Hezekiah. For the king of Assyria says, Make your peace with me, and come out to me, and every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one from his own fig tree, and every one drink water from his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and of honey, that you may live and not die. Don't listen to Hezekiah when he persuades you, saying, Yahweh will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations ever delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim, of Hena and Eva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of my hand, that Yahweh should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? But the people stayed quiet and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was, Don't answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, came with Shibna the scribe and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him Rabshakeh's words. That is the end of chapter 18. Here in chapter 18, the interlocking of the timeline of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah are clear, but still the chronology of the Old Testament is a pretty indispensable resource to help you understand how the kings numbered their first years differently. In Judah, the kings almost all did not count the partial year in which their father reigned and died as their official first year. One exception was Ahaziah, the grandson of Ahab, 
I think he was the only exception, but I'd have to go back and read that section again to be sure. And so the way he numbered his years was the same as the king of Israel's. And also the interloper um, murderous grandmother, Athaliah, also used the first year of her reign as the same year as the year that she um, that her son died and she killed as many offspring as she could find. So the kings of Israel counted the same year as the one king who died or was deposed as their first year as being king. This becomes more clear on the charts by Dr. Floyd Nolan Jones that are in the back of his book or on the website. And there are more scripturally based details about the method of measuring the years and determining all of this. So let's talk a moment now about how old Hezekiah was when he became king versus how old his father was when he was born. Since Ahaz was only 36 or 37 when he died, that means he had Hezekiah when he was only 11 or 12 years old. There is a note in the Blue Letter Bible cross-references stating that it is well-attested, it is a well-attested fact that men had children at these ages, especially in Eastern countries. Then in verse 4, we have the first king of Judah to remove the high places finally. And Hezekiah also destroys the bronze serpent, which was still around from the events in Numbers 21 verses 8 through 9, where they were supposed to look at it to be saved, to believe in God, but now they've turned it into idol worship. So um, the name that is used here is capitalized. And I looked at Easton's Bible Dictionary, Hitchcock's Bible Names Dictionary, and the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. Both of the dictionaries say that this name means a trifling thing of brass or just this thing of brass. It's supposed to be a demeaning and derogatory name. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia emphasizes that it is a proper name, that the Hebrew words for serpent and brass both have similarities to this word, and that it is unclear exactly what this word means. And one last note, this is the same bronze serpent that Jesus refers to in John chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, where he's referring to it for its original good use as um, an example of how people are supposed to look up to him when he's on the cross. In verse 5, where it compares Hezekiah to all the kings of Judah, remember, that doesn't include King David. King David was over all Israel. So Hezekiah is not being declared more devout than King David. And then in verses 9 through 12, we have a timeline overlap with chapter 17, verses 3 through 23, where all of this is explained in much more detail. Then in verse 13, we get the mention of Sennacherib. I've always thought that was a catchy name. We'll hear more about him in particular in the next chapter. But it is disappointing here that Hezekiah did not inquire of Yahweh at this particular moment. It kind of reminds me of when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus while he was walking on the water. Then in verse 17, we have the beginning of the arrogant claims of Rabshakeh representing Sennacherib, making that mistake which Goliath made and others have since made of challenging Yahweh. His speech is a mix of current politics, or a convenient description of them, and a misunderstanding of the worship of Yahweh. It is true that Israel and Judah were reprimanded for relying on Egypt or other countries and horses and chariots. 
this does not mean that this was Hezekiah's foundational trust, even if he had had some talks with Pharaoh. Also, Rabshakeh's description of the high places shows that he only thought of Yahweh as the same as other gods. So his claims about having been sent by Yahweh lack any real punch. He may have heard some rumors about prophecies and things, but for him, it's mostly a propaganda tool, much like current politicians quoting the Bible whenever it suits them. But Rabshakeh does lay it on thick and do his best to intimidate and discourage and to entice the people to leave the land that Yahweh gave them. It is true that Yahweh will tell them later to submit to Babylonian captivity, but that is because the people then, the king then, are mostly not trusting Yahweh, and it's time for chastisement. The time for the combined chastisement and judgment has come. But here, they're not supposed to be leaving their land that God gave them. It is impressive that in verse 36, it says, no one answered. So now is a good time to cross-reference 2 Chronicles chapters 29 and 30, where it talks about Hezekiah in his first year reigning as opening the temple and beginning cleaning and repairing, and after that, offering sacrifices appropriately, and again, inviting all of Israel, even people in the northern kingdom, to come celebrate the Passover. So the people of Judah all had their hearts toward God at this time including some from the northern kingdom, but they are distressed, and this section of the narrative ends with them reporting it all to Hezekiah while tearing their clothes. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 